I'm Valeria Gras, and you are listening to Textures. Texture is a podcast about art, design, and entrepreneurship. In each episode, I chat with artists, designers, creators, and innovators, the people who add textures to our world. In each episode, you will meet with creative minds, discover their world, their work, and how they made it happen. Texture is an informal and open conversation about living and leading a creative life. Today, I'm meeting with Crystalline Oakwon, owner and designer of Crystalline Oakwon Jewelry. Crystalline creative and business journey is about a love story. Her love for her jewelry, her love for her husband, and her love for her son. Life did not unfold the way Crystalline was dreaming of when she was younger. Unfortunately, cancer invited itself into her life. In a very genuine way, Crystalline speaks about her fear, her battles, her pains, her hopes, and how she found amazing strength through creativity and philanthropy. After the loss of her husband, Ryan, she realized that what was important is living life with a purpose. I do not want to tell you more. Let's listen to Crystalline. Hi, Crystalline. Thank you for having me here today. And we're going to jump right in. Crystalline, you were born and raised in New Orleans, and you have been in the jewelry industry for over 12 years. So I want to know, uh, prior your professional journey, what did you study and how did you come into this field? Awesome. I love this question. And just, well, we, we will just jump right in. Yes. <laughs> um, so professional journey. I I studied advertising and marketing in college. So I had no dream of being in the jewelry industry. I actually l knew very little about jewelry. My sister, however, was in the jewelry industry and she loved it. She was thriving. She had always been like super shy. And um, I saw her like really come out of her shell with her career Um, and so I, I just thought that was really neat. You know, I, I loved what she was doing, but I didn't know too much about it. I was focused on advertising, selling billboards, uh, radio, all that fun stuff, uh, which became not so fun pretty quickly <laughs> as a creative person. Um, and so I, um, I really just wanted to love what I do. Like everything in my life, like kind of always comes back to that, like just being happy, loving what you do. And, um, I wasn't loving what I, what I was doing and I had all this college debt and I felt super proud of myself for graduating. I was the first in my family to graduate college. Um, but I felt really guilty because I didn't, I didn't love what I was doing. And so I'm like, wow, all that debt, all that hard work. I worked at college to like pay for college and, um, might be like out the window if I just go do something different, you know, but after Katrina happened in New Orleans, Um, I just had like this new vision on, no, I'm not going to let that hold me back from being happy. You know, I'm just going to go do something that I want to do. And so I looked around like who in my life, like really loves what they're doing. And it just kept like circling back to my sister. Like she just was like thriving. She loved her job, like just loved it. And so, um, I, I, she's like, Hey, I would not recommend anyone. Like I'm really like particular about, recommending people because I would scare they would like let someone down you know like she was just weird about that but she was like you were like the only person I'd recommend and she's like so, so I'll she's totally. working in a big jewelry yes uh, store here in New Orleans yes yeah one of the top independent jewelry stores she started as a um 
assistant like in the office and they moved her into sales which is so funny because she's she was so shy growing up like even when even now like if she gets nervous she breaks out in full hives (laughs) (laughs) but she now can talk to people and she's more open and it just really like took her out of her shell and so yes she she said come on you know interview here and so I did and I was hired uh, the February after Katrina. So 2006, um, I had graduated college 2005 and just quickly kind of got into the jewelry industry. That being said, I loved it, but I didn't know what I was doing. Like I can remember talking um, to- So what was your position? Sales. Oh, sales. So. Yeah. So I was learning the jewelry industry and selling to customers. And so for years, I just remember being like, when am I going to get confident at this? Like, when am I going to know enough to like feel confident? Like, because, you know, it was sales. So I had like numbers in front of me. I had to hit. Um, and I even have like notes from like my sales reports, like talking to my boss, like, how do I gain confidence? Like, and I just like absorbed, 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 like learning from all these other people who had been there for, it's a, the store has been around since like the 40s, 50s. So there were people who have been there a long time. And like, I just absorbed as much as I could and quickly just fell in love with it. Like I just fell in love with jewelry. They manufactured. So this is a, locally it's um, Oakwood Heart Jewelers. They, they manufacture in house. So I got to see like the back end of like a jeweler actually really making the ring from scratch. I saw the customer interaction with the salesperson, you know, I just got to envision the whole process from like inception of like just an idea all the way through the design process making it and getting to see someone put a piece on their hand or on their neck and like it just fascinated me you know um so that's like where my love began it it began there you know it just began seeing what jewelry does for people and like just the process of being part of it like just building relationships and celebrating with with people it was like this is it. I'm happy. I get it. Like this is celebrating life, you know, and every day I just loved it, loved it, loved it. And so about 10, 10 years from, um, from now, where did you envision you will be today? So yeah, if you would have asked me 10 years ago where I would be today, I would have said I would have a few kids and I would be a, like a, like a stay at home mom, probably like I, I loved what I did, but like ultimately even growing up, like I just wanted to be a mom. Like I just wanted to be a mom and a wife and like have the the family, you know, have the home and like, I don't know, just be that, that person. Um, and I, I always worked from very early on, you know, my, my dad would joke with us as a kid, we'd say we want something and he'd tell us to get a job. And he was like, semi not joking. <laughs> so we worked really early, like 12 years old, we started working. Um, and so I, I was fine working. I loved working. I always wanted to kind of go higher and higher, but I envision myself as like being a mom and focusing on my family. Um, so it's just different, obviously, from where I am now. I'm a mom, but my life's different, you yeah, know? Life is different. And um, so you, your love for your uh, work also ended up by, you know, with the love of your husband, but you met yes. a star yep. and a new story started in your life. Yes. Yeah. So I met my husband. I fell in love with jewelry and I also fell in love with a man at the yes, same time, which is it's a love story. It really is. It really is. So um, I had worked at the store for a few years before we even uh, Ryan uh, and I even talked about dating or, or or were interested in each other. We we just knew each other. We were friends. Um, he was the diamond buyer at their store. His grandfather had started the business. Um, and he was into advertising. He, he did that with the store. I loved advertising because that's what I studied. So we kind of had things in common, but we were very different at the same time. 
And uh, I just loved his passion, like loved his pa- He was so passionate about his family business and just finding the right stones for people. He was a diamond buyer and he was the most particular person when it came to finding a diamond. Like, I mean, we'd go to trade shows uh, later on in our in our relationship and, and people would be like, your husband is such a pain in the butt. And I got it because he would reject so many stones and like, only find like the perfect cut, you know, the inclusion had to be right. You know, he was just so meticulous and particular, but that's what I loved about him. It just was the, the neatest thing, his passion for, for diamonds. Um, but yeah, we, we met each other at the store. We worked together. Um, we started, yeah. We, I, I would love you to, I mean, I'm sorry to uh, interrupt, but no. um, you designed a piece together, which was a engagement ring. We just yeah we designed um, a lot of engagement rings one together, yeah. engagement mm-hmm. ring was yours oh yeah yeah you didn't know about it <laughs> you're right you're right yeah yeah that's that's really true we we would not design for customers um, all the time so I would sell as well as all the other salespeople um, but it was really cool when Ryan and I could do it together so a customer would come in they would be looking for something maybe particular they wanted to make their own and so he would source the stone and I would help design the ring and we would do it together well he had found a stone I didn't really know the customer because he worked with all the salespeople um and he he convinced me like oh you know I need you to help me design this ring so we loved what we what we did we just loved our work we loved design so we would come home from work and we would design together like that was just what we did or we would work on advertising um and it wasn't didn't feel like working like we would have a glass of wine like some cheese like and we would design and so he convinced me to design a ring for a customer i didn't know who it was um he just told me what the stone was and actually he told me it was a different shape than what it was he said it was a radiant cut um and so i'm like okay great so i designed this ring and It was different. It was just a different ring that we had never made before. It was very unique, um, and it was extremely simple, which is my style. But what was unique about it was the wedding bands kind of fit right with it, um, but it wasn't like fitted wedding bands. So the wedding, wedding bands weren't like carved to go around it. They were just straight diamond wedding bands, but they went kind of like underneath the ring, which was just a little bit different than we had ever made before. And uh, I was like, this is awesome. Like, I cannot wait to see how this is going to come out, you know. And so I kind of forgot about it, to be honest with you. Like, I gave him the sketch, and he was like, great, I love it. Like, perfect, that's what we're going to do. And I just didn't think anything of it because we do that all the time. And then we were uh, packing one night after work. It was a Saturday. We had worked. It was a long day, and we were, came home. We're in our pajamas. We're packing for a trip. We're leaving the next morning to go to Napa Valley with some friends. And um, we had been dating a couple years at the time. And so people kept joking with me. They're like, oh, you're going to get engaged in Napa. And I'm like, y'all stop. Like, I just want to have a good time. And I don't want to be like disappointed if we don't, because I don't think we're going to get engaged just yet. And um, I guess people were telling him the same thing too. So we're home and we're packing. And he um, he says, Crystalline, you know, I mean, I looked like such a mess too. That's the funny part. Like I had like the worst pajamas on and I'm like exhausted. And he's like, listen, I want to go and have an amazing time on this trip, but I don't want, like, everybody keeps talking about us getting engaged. I don't know if they're telling you that too. And I don't want, every time we sit at a restaurant, you think they're going to like pull the thing off of the top <laughs> of the, you know, plate and your rings there. Like, we're not going to get engaged in Napa. And I was like, 
thank you. I'm like, I'm so glad you said that because I had all this anxiety about like, is it going to happen? Is it not? You know? And uh, he's like, I know it's so funny that people keep saying that. Um, and he's like, yeah, so it's just not going to happen in Napa. And I was like, perfect. And like, I went to turn around and like keep packing and I really did feel relieved. I wasn't disappointed. I was just like, great. Now I can just enjoy it. And, um, and he was like, I turned back around and he's on one knee. He's like, cause it's going to happen now. And I have no idea what he said after that, oh my God. <laughs> but I just remember like, taking pictures and like calling my mom and um you know being excited because I couldn't even show anybody besides on the phone because literally we had to flight the next morning um uh, which is cool but yeah the ring was I didn't even look I couldn't even see the ring for a long time because I was just you know obviously emotional and then when I looked at it I'm like wait a minute this is the ring I designed like this is it and he's like yeah that's your ring and I was like blown away i literally had no idea that was gonna <laughs> be that, was my the, that was the beginning of designing with a meanings yeah and how do you surprise someone who literally works with you and sees everything like i, I would you would think i would have like saw it or like and so yeah it was it was so meaningful i love i love that ring it's pretty awesome and then uh things unfolded um unexpected way and unexpected event changed your life Yeah, you can just speak about yeah. it. Yeah, so so Ryan and I worked together for several years, and uh, we, we just enjoyed it. Um, we decided to start family, and so we were excited about that. We um, got pregnant with our first child, and we were really excited. And what um, was interesting was at the same time, Ryan was starting to get like really tired, like just tired and fatigued, and. We just thought he was just working a lot, like no big deal. Um, we were pregnant, so we had that excitement going on. And then we went to like a really big trade show we go to every year. And at that trade show, he just kept getting like pains in his back, and we didn't know what was happening. So um, he was taking ibuprofen, which he never took medicine, and uh, was just like it's really bothering him. So we didn't understand what was happening, but we just kind of always chalked it up to just being busy and exhausted. And he was carrying a briefcase. And um, we got home from the trade show. We had – Again, we were like a month pregnant. We, we just found out. And he just started to just cough and like get sicker and sicker and wound up in the hospital with pneumonia. He was 36 at the time. And so that was really weird, you know, for you to just like come down with like pneumonia. But they were like, it's treatable. I remember being on the sales floor at the store and um, he had went to the doctor to get like a chest x-ray. And he came back and he's like, I was with a customer and he's like, oh, I gotta go. I get it. They're admitting me to the hospital. And I was like, what? Like, what's happening? You know? Um, anyway, he had a really weird um, disease and we didn't understand it. Like, they didn't know what was wrong with them. Like, it, it actually wasn't pneumonia. They, they just couldn't figure it out. The doctors were like, this is like such a mystery. So it took a couple of months. And actually, the day we found out we were having a little boy. So we were still trying to, you know, enjoy the excitement, even though he was sick. Um, of, of being pregnant. We found out we were having a little boy. We went to a restaurant to just uh, eat lunch after that appointment. And his doctor called and said, actually, we think you have cancer. And so like, we went from this highest high of having this, you know, little boy that we can now envision um, to the lowest low, like he might not be here to see this baby, you know? And um, it was terrifying. Like, I just remember being at the restaurant and like the waiter could tell, like we got the call in the middle of the food and like we had been to that restaurant several times and he just like looked at us like we came in so happy. We were having a little boy, you know, and like all of a sudden everything changed, you know, and he just packed up our food. Like he didn't ask a question. He just packed up our food for us and we just left. Like we didn't even want to eat, you know. Um, so yeah, we several, he couldn't, it took a long time to get diagnosed. So that was like, 
June, you know, he started getting sick in like May, June, uh, July was when we found out it was probably cancer, but he wasn't really diagnosed until October. So he had a really rare form of, um, lymphoma. So it's called peripheral T cell lymphoma NOS, not otherwise specified. So it was in his lungs, uh, wasn't in the normal places like lymph nodes and stuff like that. So it was, um, it was scary and it was crazy. And we were excited about having a baby, but at the same time, if you're a parent, you know, and, and I don't think people understand this until I didn't understand it until I became pregnant that like my life, like really didn't matter until that point. Not that I didn't value my life, but like it didn't matter. Like it mattered until I was pregnant. And then I was like, oh my gosh, my life is important. Like I have to take care of me for this baby. And I know he was thinking the same thing, you know? So as hard as it was to have a cancer diagnosis, it's so bittersweet that it happened when he was having this baby. So like his life was so important. And now they're saying you might not live. Like this is a very aggressive disease, you know? So it was... um a very emotional time, very scary time, but we just did our best. His, his family helped out tremendously with, um, getting us to just any doctors or resources we could find. If it was in New York, if it was in Texas, wherever we could go to just get to finding a cure for his disease, finding the best treatment. So you mentioned during uh, the treatment that your husband really cared about other families, that just like you said, you had a very good family support, which was awesome, and you could have access to treatment, but it was not the case of any other families around him. And it was really something that matters to him. Yeah. And he's really envisioned something of building something of how we, can we help these families. And yes. you carry on the torch. And what you're doing today in your business it's the mission that your husband envisioned at that time. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, when, when he was going through treatments, he would say two things like, I can't be doing this for nothing. Like we can't, I can't be going, there's gotta be a reason. And if we don't know what that is, let's just make one, <laughs> you know, let's figure out what. And so we would talk about like lessons we were learning for our son that we wanted to make sure that he, he understood. Um, and the other thing was Ryan just recognized this, extra burden people had this extra financial burden of not being able to either uh work fully and like not having the resources to get to the hospital um or to pay bills like he would either meet people and have those discussions or he'd even just overhear them and he would come home from the hospital a lot of times i, I wouldn't necessarily be with him because i was taking care of the new you know our, our newborn um and he would just say look can we go on this gofundme page and donate to this you know, person. And he'd give me the backstory. I'd go read it and we would donate. And it wasn't much, you know, it was here and there. And, um, I'm sure we didn't make like a, a massive impact on a person, but he would say like moving forward, like when I get better, we didn't talk about if he didn't, um, he's like, we're just going to live differently. Like I can't just go back to the life I was living, get busy again with work and not focus on helping other people with this financial burden. He's like, I feel like that's where we can help. And that's what he wanted to do. And so, I do, I do that as my way of continuing his legacy for, for Winston, um, for myself and for him is we, we, we try to help families experience in the financial burden of cancer as best we can, you know? Yeah. Because unfortunately he didn't, um, make it yes, despite yes, all the treatment. Yeah. So he was, um, uh, 
he battled for about two years being sick. Uh, Winston, our son, he was luckily there for his birth, and he was there for 16 months of his life. And um, he had a stem cell transplant. We, we spent a lot, most of our time at MD Anderson in Texas. And, you know, we're from New Orleans, so we kind of uprooted our lives, uh, our careers, everything to be there and, and get him well. And uh, he fought really hard, and sadly he, he passed away, you know. And um, he he you know, I just, his legacy is so important to me for our son, mostly, um, and for him because he worked so hard, you know, in his life to just, just worked so hard. That's why I'm able to have the business I have. And, um, I want Winston to just like understand his dad's heart. And the big part about that is helping other people. So, yeah. And can you speak about the first blog that you wrote, which mm -hmm. was very, very, um, opened, Mm -hmm. uh, you already opened your heart. And the title of his blog is Stronger Than You Know. Yeah. So I um, I wrote this blog just to kind of let people, it was really the first blog on, on my website. So people who maybe didn't know me previously or are getting to under, you know see my, my jewelry line or understand who I am, kind of get a little bit of the background of where I came without, you know, without having to know the whole story. But um I have a pendant that I that I wear all the time. It's a it's a very my designs are very geometric and straightforward. So it's just a straight pendant with a point at the end. It's four sided. It's very simple, and I call it the strength pendant. And there's the story behind the pendant is, um, it's it kind of sounds silly when I say it when I wrote it. <laughs> It's not silly, but I actually look can look at my garden right now and see the plant that it has to do with. But um, I, I actually had this this plant in my garden that was just you know one day I was just sitting outside and just like going over like my million things to do as like a single mom now and um, business owner and everything, just feeling overwhelmed with with a lot of things, feeling like I'm not going to get things done. And I, I kind of looked over at my garden and like add that to the list. Like, look at this poor garden, you know, like overgrown. And, and I noticed this plant that was just like totally overgrown and falling over. And, and I just kind of like felt, I almost like felt bad for the plant. Like I need to take care of it. Like that's my responsibility. Like, let's just, let me just go deal with the, the plant, you know, like it needs help. It's like literally falling over. And there were like parts like kind of reaching for the sky that were like really long. And, um, I just, I don't know. I didn't, I'm not a gardener. I usually don't do much in the garden. So I was like, I'm going to do it, you know? So I went and got a big garbage bag and some scissors out of the kitchen, you know, I didn't have the right tools. And I just started kind of like clipping away at this plant. And it was, it's a very thorny bush. I don't know the name of it. It's really pretty, but, um, and I just like got into it and just like pulling the branches down and like really like pruning it back and like trying to figure out how do I get this to stand up I'm not I don't I'm literally not a gardener <laughs> like I didn't even have like pruning shears if that's what you call them um and I'm like okay I can figure this out you know and just simply figured it out although it seemed like such a big deal at the time finding a stake to stick in the ground tying it I didn't even have anything like I used ribbon out of like my crafts <laughs> to like tie it and like stand this plant back up and um and I did it and I kind of sat back down and I was like wow I mean it took a long time <laughs> and I looked at it and I'm like 
I had everything I needed. Like I didn't think I had, I'm not a gardener. I don't have the right tools. I don't like, I had everything I needed to like really help this plant and get it like back to where it's beautiful and it's standing up tall and I'm going to continue to enjoy it. But like, I was able to just do it. Like I felt accomplished. And the list that I sat down on the porch with that day didn't include pruning the bush in the garden, you know? Um, but my list just looked so much easier and like, I felt like just stronger. Like if I can do that, I mean, the thing has like two inch thorns. I was like fighting a battle with this <laughs> bush. Um, I was like, I can, I can do anything. I, ju- I have the tools. Like I just tell myself I have the tools. Like I have, uh, what I need. I need to ask people around me for help. I need to make lists. I need to have faith that God has some bigger plan for me that I don't see right now, but I'm just going to lean into that, you know? Yeah, that's such a good metaphor. I loved it, this it, post. It, it, it makes sense. It made sense to me, you know? And like, I kept thinking like the biggest tool that I needed there was that stake in the ground and I needed to like hammer it down until it felt strong enough to like hold that plant. And so that's kind of this, the pendant is a stick. It's like a stake and it just is, I wear it as a reminder, like, you know what? I have the tools. Like sometimes I'll just hold on to it while I'm wearing it. And I'm like, I, I have the tools, I, you know, like pump, pumping myself back up. Yeah. Like I can, I'm, I'm strong, you know? So it's been a great reminder for me. And it's also been a great reminder for a lot of women who, who have purchased it and are, or people who have purchased it for other people who say, um, Oh my gosh, this person's so strong. I want them to know. I see how strong they are and I want them to recognize it and they'll purchase the pendant for them. And, and I always encourage people, like, please tell the story or at least get them to my blog post so that they can understand the meaning of that piece, you know? So launching your own company has been part of your eating process, yeah. you know, honoring the memory of your husband. And you put two passions together, which is your design mm-hmm. and also the, your philanthropic actions. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a jewelry designer, which is, is interesting to say. Uh, I know that sounds silly to feel weird to say um but for a long time i i designed jewelry with people for a long time in the business but i was always a salesperson that was my title and so when when ryan passed and you know i was trying to put my life back together and winston our son's life together um i wasn't a salesperson anymore i i was at home i didn't know i was living in a fog you know trying to figure my life back out and um i was like my creativity was starting to come back. And I was thinking like, this is really what I want to do. Um, but I was foggy. My brain was so foggy. But deep inside you had a cold. Yeah, I, I did. I was like, you know what? I There was two things. So one was right after Ryan passed, a lady who is near and dear to my heart. She actually was a customer of mine for, for years. Um, she was very familiar with Houston and we were in Houston when Ryan passed. So she was one of the first people I called just to help me navigate what, what to do at that point. And she's amazing. She's a breast cancer survivor. Her name's Karen Stahl. Um, she helped me right after Ryan passed. But then a few months later, she reached out to me and she said, listen, you know, she has a foundation. It's a breast cancer foundation and, um, she's local in new Orleans. And she said, um, I need some help with something. Would you mind helping me? Am I going to have this event? And I'm like, sure, I'm happy to help. Like she helped me. Of course I would. So I got involved in her organization. We, we were doing some, you know, a big event, which turned out to be great. And we do it every year now. Um, and so I started volunteering. So I'd go help her. And then there was another organization that we had been with for a long time, supporting even before Ryan ever got lymphoma, called the Lymphomaniacs in New Orleans. So I tried to get involved more with, with that organization. And I felt like by doing that, I was doing good. I was living like my purpose and um, 
honor and Ryan at the same time. But I was like, I have to, you know, obviously you have to work and I have to figure out like what's happening with my life. I, I just felt very all over the place, but that was consistent. I knew I wanted to help people. And, um, and then my design, you know, creativity and things like that started to come back. And I'm like, you know what? That's what I love. I really want to design women. I want to design jewelry for women that they can wear every day. Like I was looking at my lifestyle. I was a mom. I wasn't wearing like diamonds all the time anymore or big pieces like I wore in the jewelry store being in a fine jewelry store. Um, I wanted pieces that I could wear. I wouldn't be worried about going to the, you know, to the play, play date with or go to dinner or whatever. And so I started designing those pieces. Um, but when it came to my business, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I want to have a jewelry brand, but I want to be flexible with my time so that if a widow calls at the drop of a hat, I could go have lunch, give a hug. Like somebody gets diagnosed with cancer and needs guidance. I can be there. Um, anything. I want to be able to like have that flexibility. If my son gets sick from school, I don't want to have to ask anybody, do I have to leave? I don't want to feel guilty. Like I want to have this flexibility. Um, one, I want to design the jewelry too. And then I want to be able to give back and tie that into my business in a way that if my business does better, I don't want to get so busy with my business trying to make money, make a living that the the philanthropy part gets put to the back burner because that happens often because that's life. So I was like, let me build this business so that they run parallel. They're together. If my business does better, I can give more and that can give more and have to like elect, like I will give more. Like that's the, that's the mission of the business. The better and the business mission, does. I really invite you to go on the website and read about uh, Crystalline Oakland Jewelry uh, mission. It's very powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It, it fuels me. I mean, it fuels me in so many ways. Um, it's not just a business. It's connecting with other women. Not, not, I don't meet that many widows that are especially young widows. So it's not even that you have to be able to like relate to me on that level. I just love connecting with women who have just passions for other things too. Like part of what, what I didn't envision, like the whole time I was building the business, I was thinking, okay, cancer-related initiatives, cancer-related initiatives, that's what we're going to give money to. That was my focus. And it, like right after I launched in October, um, it just hit me. Like all these women that I'm meeting and connecting with, they also have passions for other organizations because maybe they had a preemie baby and March of Dimes was a big help to them. Or maybe um, they their, their dad died of heart disease and they're very into this organization to help heart disease. Everybody has a story and a connection and ways that they want to give back. And so I was like thinking to myself, how can I change this up a little bit where it's not just about what's important to me, it's a, what's important to these women too. So I kind of reached out and said, hey guys, if, if you purchase jewelry at this time, you know, gave a, a window, I'll give 15% of your sale to the organization of your choice. Like you just name the organization and I'll send the check, go online, whatever it is. And so um, I've done that a couple of times and it's, it's been nice. It's been nice because I, I not only get to, um, I get to hear about their store. Why are they connected to that? And then we're giving to those organizations and it's 15%. It's not huge, but it's something and it's meaningful. And then they wear their piece of jewelry and they're like, wow, this part of this went to that, you know? So it's great. It's really great. And so now you've been in business for a little bit more than six months. So what do yeah. you think looking back? How do you feel? Oh my goodness. I know it seems like it took forever and it was, uh, very quick at the same time. I feel great. Like I feel like 
I'm like really living my purpose. And I never lived like that before. I really didn't. Like before my husband passed, like I lived and we had a great life, but I never like stepped into like feeling like my life is meaningful and like deeply heartfelt, meaningful, like, and, um, and to do that with a business is just awesome to me. Like I, I love what I do. It's very challenging. Um, of course, I always wish I was further along than, than I am. (laughs) It's only been six months, of course, but, um, but I feel, I feel great. I feel empowered. I feel like if, if like I can do, I can do anything. I mean, I really do. I feel like I can literally do anything with the help of, I can't do anything alone with the help of other people and with having faith. Like six months in, I feel like I can do anything. And I feel like I have just big visions for the, from, for this brand and I'm excited about it. That's wonderful. Yeah. And to me, I mean, you're going to tell me maybe it was different, but to me, you, from the day you start, you decided to start and the day you launched, to me, it went so fast. <laughs> You really focused so hard and just get things unfold. And it, I mean, how, you know, how long since you had the idea of starting till the day you launch? So it's so funny that you say that because it, um, it was a long time. <laughs> it felt like to a long me, time. It looks like so, you, you, it, you know, so, it came so fast. Can I tell you what I think, why I think, oh, so it took a year and a half, which was a long time, but, um, I can tell you why I think it looked faster than it was because for a long time I had a fear of calling myself a jewelry designer. Is that well, weird? You, you, no, because you thought you were not legitimate. Yeah, like I felt like um, how how can I say that I am? I had designed jewelry for ten years with customers. All, I mean, I have so many customers. I've designed their engagement rings, like. I have been a jewelry designer, but because I never called myself that, I called myself a salesperson. I felt like that imposter syndrome. I don't know if you've heard of that before, yes, but I like, did. like it wasn't uh, like like who who am I to say I'm a jewelry designer? It's so I that like saying that out loud even sounds crazy. But so I worked on the business before I ever really told people I was going to do the business um, because I. I was, I was worried. I was worried. I had fear of judgment or, uh, do people, am I, first off the fear of, am I even capable and will people think I'm capable? And, um, so it took me a long time. Part of that was being in a fog and, uh, trying to figure it out. I literally knew nothing about starting my own business. I, I knew the process of jewelry. I knew, um, that relationship building was huge. I did not have know how to do it online. I did not know how to make a website. I didn't. I didn't even go on Instagram. Like I didn't even have an Instagram. I remember account. that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so yes. I like didn't. I had to learn everything. Yeah. So your ups and down of your you know creating a business. Yeah. Oh gosh, ups and downs are like. I think the biggest down part, sadly, is the self talk and the fear that you put on yourself. Like of so what, powerful. Yeah. I telling the things we tell ourselves, I don't know enough. Um, maybe I need to go back to school. Maybe um, I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not trendy enough. Maybe I'm not cool enough. Um, you know, or I don't have a business. I don't have a business plan that's like set in stone. Like I don't even know how to really make it. I guess I got to go to business school. Like all the fears, excuses to try to excuses. Yeah, to just push yourself back. Um, I think we can all relate to that. Yeah, it's but it, what's interesting is with like listening to podcasts and having mentors and things like that. When people started to talk about that, like I, I'm a big fan of Rachel Hollis the, with her book, um, 
she's got one out right now girl stop apologizing but the first one was girl wash your face which i was like i will never read that book that title is like so gimmicky like i just didn't get it (laughs) but then i read it because i heard good reviews about it and i've really liked her but it's a great book and she really talks about those fears and those lies that you tell yourself and like when someone started saying it out loud like that that people do that too like i thought i was the only one who did that like i thought well, I'm just not confident enough when I'll get one day, maybe I'll be confident enough. And then I realized like, like Bill Gates probably wasn't confident. Like, I don't know the president of the United States, like everyone is not, we all have insecurity. insecurity. And then one of my mentors, um, Jasmine Starr, she, she'd say like, you didn't, what happened when you were a kid and you, you didn't know how to ride a bike? Like, you you figured it out like you literally didn't know how to ride a bike like but you got on you probably fell off like but eventually you learned how to ride a bike it's like that with everything and like that was such a simple thing but it was like i get it like if i don't know how to use instagram and i'm so this is such a silly uh way to you know it's just instagram but it's such a big marketing tool if i don't know how to do it I can't just sit in the fear of like, I'll just never be able to, I'm never going to be able to have my business or I can just like dive in and like start pedaling and like figure it out, you know? And I feel like you found uh, inner resources or inner talent in you, things that were, I mean, you it's, really got out of your shell. And I mean, I was astonished that, you know, the, the, your credibility, even in business, in marketing, in, in, in that, I mean. What's so funny is like, one thing, and I'm really going to, this is going to be something that you'll see more in my business is video is, I think is huge right now for marketing yourself and online and just connecting with people more so than anything. That's true. Connecting mm-hmm. is very important. And you, you, you mentioned that about the social media, how important it was to you or mm-hmm. it is to you. And you run your business out of your house. Yeah. You have a four years old boy, you know, and sometimes you can be a little bit isolated, Yeah, but thanks to social media. Uh, you know, there is some yeah, pro, there is some yeah. con. But yeah. you, really, you know, you really have an incredible uh, super group. Yes. No, connecting online, that was like my, literally my biggest fear of uh, having a, a retail business online was how do I connect with real people? Like my, my success in selling jewelry before, I was um, very happy with where I was over the years I built up for for a long time, but it was building relationships. So I would meet people and connect with them. I could give them a hug. I could actually put a necklace on them. I could show them in front of a mirror. I could put an outfit, you know, them come in with an outfit that they're going to wear to something and put them together and style them. I couldn't do that anymore. And so like that was scary. But now I realize like you really can with direct messaging. I mean, you don't know how many people I send videos. Like they're like, I don't know how that ring's going to look on my hand. And I'll be like, which one? And I'll send them a video of it, my hand and talk to them. And they're like, perfect. That's exactly what I need. Or I'm trying to figure out what the difference between 16 inch and 18 inches. And I'll like put it on and send them a, a picture or a video. And um, there's ways to do it. You just got to figure it out, you know? Yeah, let's talk about design. So your line are very minimalistic pure, elegant, and from the outside, jewelry design, it's very glamorous and fancy, but there is a lot, you know, of techniques behind it. You know, I'm not an expert and I would love you to enlighten me, but I want to know, 
you need to take in consideration a lot of elements when you design a piece. What's the process? Yeah, so it's a, it's an interesting process, especially when when I tell people, um, or and you mentioned like I work from home, so I'm not a maker, so I'm not sitting here making jewelry at my kitchen table or anything like that. Um, I'm a designer, so I'll sketch. Um, I sketch my jewelry, and I have designers. I have uh, jewelry makers who actually make the jewelry for me. So um, that's the interesting part um, that I have uh, just incredible people, artisans that can do this stuff by hand because it's just not my capability. But what the process starts with is for me is wearability. So I might see something or have this shape or envision something in my mind. And because of my experience of working with customers and seeing like how jewelry wears over time, repairs, you know, what comes in, like what works, what doesn't. Um, I design with that in mind. So like when I think of a design, I always think of the wearability first. Like obviously the style is number one because if it doesn't look good, nobody's going to wear it anyway. (laughs) But so like style and then wearability. So like, okay, would this function well as a piece of jewelry or would this line be too thin here that it would crack or that it would wear in two years, um, or, oh, that is really pretty wide, uh, you know, it's a wider design or something. Well, now I have to calculate, before I ever have a mold, how much I think it's going to weigh in gold and weigh in silver and price it and figure out if I'd be able to sell it for that price. So even before I ever get any of my jewelers to actually put it on on CAD, on computer, um, I'm trying to figure those things out first. Is it sellable and is it wearable? So it's, it's weird. It's a weird process to no, think because people are like, sense. oh, this is so fun. And it, and it is fun. It's amazing. But there's so much strategy behind it because I could all day long, like pump out some great designs that are so fun and funky and cool um, that would never sell because gold is so expensive and silvers. And I, I make real, like I say real, but like I use noble metals. I want the piece to last a long time. So I want to produce them in gold. I don't want to, um, I don't do costume jewelry because I just believe like if you're going to invest in the piece, I want it to last you forever, you know? Um, So I have to think about all these little elements. Um, But the process kind of goes like this. So if uh, I start sketching, um, figure out all the dimensions of the piece. So I'm uh, sometimes I I don't just sketch. I'll take wire and I'll wrap wire around things. Um, I'll hang it from a chain. I'll use, you know, just form wire into the piece. Um, now, if I gave that piece to a jeweler, they would laugh at me. <laughs> but in my mind, it helps me get the dimensions, like how big do I want the piece to be and all that. Um, and then I sketch it on paper. And then that's what I submit to my jewelers and say, hey, can we make this work? Um, from there, they it's called CAD CAM. So they put it on computer and they make a 3D model out of it on the computer and they send that to me. And um, I can kind of roll it around, see all the angles, change things if if they didn't quite get the right angle um, or if my drawing didn't portray exactly the angle that I needed. And then um, if everything's good from there, they use a 3D printer to print the design into resin or wax um, or some types of plastic, just depends. Um, I actually have one here yes. <laughs> for Valerie to look at. Yes. Uh, or a couple of them. And um, it's a neat process. So when you look at it from there, it's cool because you could really see what the piece is going to look like. But it looks funny because it's usually green. It's usually blue. That's you know, resin. it's yeah. And so um, 
but it gives me like exactly what I need to make sure the piece looks, uh, you know, looks right. And then from there I can approve that. And they use that piece in the casting process. So they take the resin or the wax and they put it into like a, a vat or like kind of like a tube and they fill it with plaster. And it it's a really neat thing to see. Um, but that material, once, once that plaster sets and it's hard, um, they melt that material out. So, so where the ring was that, that model will melt out and that material comes out of the casting and then they cast the metal in. So then they'll shoot in hot gold or wax, I mean, gold or silver or whatever material you're using. And it fills that space, um, with, uh, with, the material. So they make the ring, you know, or the piece or whatever. And then from there, um, there's a lot that goes in after that finishing polishing, um, to get the piece just really to look like wearable, pretty jewelry, you know, and you never have, um, air bubble when you, Oh yeah. I was telling you that before about, so what's interesting is it's a, it's such a natural process. I mean, they've, this process is so old and it's ancient, you know, and, and a lot of it's the same. There's a lot of great technologies to get the best casting out there, but there's still things like porosity. So little holes in the metal, um, that are like bubbles. It's just little bubbles. And as you polish the metal, sometimes those little holes show up. Um, and then you kind of lost that ring, you know, you have to re melt that down, use it as scrap. Um, but it's something to keep, keep, you know, it's, it's one of those things they're kind of a pain because, you know, you get some things back and, you know, you have to quality control and then you see, wow, this is, uh, not the, not what I want and not because someone didn't do a perfect job on the process. It's just the nature of materials. So designing pieces that are very, um, polished, mm -hmm. it's more challenging. It is. Than designing yeah. pieces with a texture maybe. Yeah. My jewelers, um, they hate me. No, <laughs> because as of now, uh, for every design that you guys have seen for the most part is a nice high polish, shiny geometric. You and, love challenges. Yeah. And, I didn't really fully understand how hard the finishing process is on that and how particular I am with finish. Um, I, I, I'm really particular. So, um, I, my designs will stay minimalistic and, and shiny and, and high polished. And I'll just kind of deal with the, um, <laughs> challenges of that. But, Uh, I do have other designs coming out that are going to have like more texture and more flow to them um, that also are p possibly a little easier for my jewelers to work with. <laughs> But yeah. so I, I follow you, of course, on Instagram. And I think twice this year you went to Tuscan, Arizona. Yeah, uh, it was it was once uh, it was a, for the big gym show. Yeah, earlier this year. So what and are you looking for? Because it's just like overwhelming to me to it, see all these stones. I'm like, ooh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So yeah, I did go twice. So I went last year and this year, and I did put them both on Instagram. Um, I'm just learning about that show as far as being there. So I've known about the show. It, people come from all over the world and they display their gems, minerals, rocks. I mean, fossils, like everything is there for that show. It's incredible. It's huge. I probably only saw 2% of the show when I was there. Um, what I, I haven't introduce stones into my line just yet. I uh, should um, be, you should see some stones like this fall. I'll have some things there that I've found. So right now I'm just kind of collecting, like collecting pretty things <laughs> um, and learning. So, so I've learned, I, I know quite a bit about stones for being in the industry, but right now I'm trying to figure out what stones do I want to use in my line to keep it like this everyday feel 
and keep the price points reasonable where when my most people who purchase my jewelry are self-purchasing women. It's women buying themselves something to celebrate or um, to just treat themselves. And I want to keep it at a price point where, sure, if they want to spend, you know, a couple thousand dollars, they could get multiple pieces. That's great. I, I, I highly encourage that. <laughs> but um, if they want to spend, you know, a couple hundred dollars that they can get a nice piece. So right now I'm I'm sourcing stones and and working those into the designs to make it make it work out, you know, and there's also something about stones that's interesting is, um, the hardness of them and the wearability. So I want my jewelry's everyday wear. So I have to be careful with what stones I pick. Cause if I pick stones that are too soft, they're not going to be for everyday wear. They're going to, you know, they could potentially crack or, or break. Um, and so that stuff, I'm, I'm like really diving into that. I think it's very interesting. And, um, I love, I, I'm usually not that colorful of a person, you know, you, you helped me design my house and I was very simple <laughs> with it, you know, and, uh, and, but like sitting behind you, I've made this big piece of artwork with all these colors in it. So I do like a pop of color here and there. So I, I love, um, I'm excited about introducing some stones or we're working on that now. I cannot wait. Yeah, it'll be fun. And continuing speaking about design, uh, your branding, I mean, packaging, the design of the packaging, the graphic design on your beautiful website, the logo, the jewelry line, everything is very consistent and, you. you know, elegant. Did you think about everything at the same time or did you start it by, anyway, how did you start it? It was, um, it, it, it did not all come together at one time by any means. Uh, the biggest thing that I did that I'm glad that I did was I hired a branding girl pretty early on. Her name was Amanda with Blonde Design. And she had um, worked with some local stores here and not, not jewelry related, but I just liked her style. And I was like, that style is similar to what I'm thinking. And so I sat with her and we worked together for a while of just creating a mood board for the brand and saying like, what do I envision this brand to be? And so I explained to her about the designs and how they're very, you know, clean lines, minimalistic. I want everything to be easy. Like life's so complicated and I just want my brand to be easy. I want it to be simple. You know, I want it to be no fluff. Like if people want to dive in, they can dive in, but if they don't want to, they can simply look at the website and it'd be very easy on their eyes and not overwhelming. And so, um, that's what she helped me with. And she helped me figure out the colors and everything. And from there, everything stems from, she made like, um, a branding guide with like a mood board and, all everything stems from there. And then she helped me with my design on the logo, which was incredibly difficult for me um, because we went around the world and back probably for her. She was probably like, come on, girl, <laughs> pick, a, pick a logo already. Um, but and I had some friends helping me at the time. But everything I do has to have some type of meaning. Like I don't I don't do like one of my friends was joking with me. She was helping me. She was traveling with me to a trade show. And she's like, does everything have to have a meaning? Like it doesn't crystal. And like, you can just design, like you think you're getting caught up in the meanings. And I was like, you're right. I am getting caught up in the meanings, but it has to like it. That's just part of me. Like I have to have meaning behind things so that it makes sense, you know? And so the logo, it was like, I could use initials. I could use this. And like, we just gone back and forth with a million beautiful ideas, but nothing felt right. Um, and so I went back to this idea of this, when Ryan got sick, I, de I designed this cross for him. So it was this beautiful cross that was handmade by an amazing jeweler at their family jewelry store at Oakland Heart. And, um, 
in the middle of it, I told the, the, the jeweler, I said, listen, I want to do three interlocking circles, one for myself, one for Ryan, and one for our, our unborn child. We didn't know. That was Winston at the time. And I want them to connect, but be separate. I want them to have like fluidity, but <clears throat> sorry, but interconnect and be um, placed on the middle of the cross. So he did that. And that was like our symbol. Like I, I surprised Ryan with it for his first chemo treatment. And he was so touched by it. And I explained the meaning of, to me, the circles when we were connected like that, like we were all separate entities, but we're stronger together. And like, we're always together, like eternally together. And, um, he loved it. He, he loved the cross and he loved the meaning. And so when he would write me a note or, uh, he would draw the four, the three circles on, on the piece. Okay. So that symbol was important to us. Well, after he passed, that symbol was very important to me, but I didn't understand. Like, I was like, I feel like it's missing something. Um, and this was before I was doing my business. I was just painting and like doing, uh, trying to get creativity back. I was like, I feel like this is missing something. So I added in like a fourth cir- circle and I was like, that's it. Like, that's like the nurses that helped us, the doctors, our family, like this fourth circle of the support that people had given us, you know? And, um, it just made sense to me. So I took that symbol and I tattooed it on my wrist, which I thought I would never get a tattoo in my life. I was just not a tattoo person, but I felt so strongly about that symbol. And I gave paintings. I made paintings for like everybody in my family with these four rings and I would gold leaf them. And, um, it was just such a powerful symbol to me. So I had that symbol, but I wasn't thinking about that for my logo. Like it just wasn't, those were two separate things, you know? And so as we were really diving into the logo and I was really feeling like disconnected from, from that, um, I went back to that four circle that's on my wrist, you know? And I was like, Ryan always said, he was very deep. My husband was very deep, like very poetic, very musical. Like he would just, he was deep. And so he would say something like this. He would say, um, get to the root of the fruit. Like what, you, you know, if something was like happening, like a big, seemingly big thing, he would just be like, get back to like the the center of it. Like where, what's the root of the fruit? Get back there. And so I was like thinking, okay, get, get to the root of the fruit. And so I went from that four circle, I, I went right to the middle of it. And that's my logo. It's just the middle of four interlocking circles. So you don't see the four circles. You just see that the logo, which if you kept drawing those lines, it would make four circles. And, um, and that was like a long version of what my logo is, but it's so meaningful to me. And so I call it gratitude because I'm so grateful for all of those, those four circles, you know, in including my, myself and like just what I feel like I have become. Winston, for Ryan, and then for for people like you, Valerie, and for people that are connecting with my story and making us stronger. You know, that's that fourth circle, and it's always there, and I'm so grateful, you know? That's wonderful. Yeah. So now we learned so much about your uh, jewelry line. Where can we buy it? How do you market it? (laughs) So um, there are two places that you could get it. So if you're local in New Orleans, though, they sell it at Oakland Heart Jewelers, which is where I worked forever, um, which is awesome. So you can see the whole collection there. And then you can buy it online. So my website is crystallineoakland.com. And I'm sure Valerie's going to put that in the notes because it's hard to spell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, and you can... uh, Always find me on Instagram and Facebook at Crystal and Oakland Jewelry because um, I do like to hang out on there, build connections, and learn about other people's passions and what they're doing, you know? So I want to share uh, something. Last weekend was Mother's Day, and you have been elected 
2019 New Orleans Mom of the Year by New Orleans Mom's Blog. And it's so well deserved. Let's talk about being a mother and running a business. How do you do it? And do you have any recommendation for other women or mothers out there? Yes, I was um, totally surprised by that. And I'm totally uh, overwhelmed with just gratitude. That's so sweet that they elected me mom of the year. I'm like, who who am I? Like, <laughs> what does that mean? Um, but I'm, I'm definitely grateful and I appreciate it. Um, it's difficult to be a mom in general. It's exhausting. We all know that if you're a mom, but it's the greatest gift, right? This is what we work so hard for is for these kids. Um, and it wasn't until recently that I started to kind of hit my stride as like being a mom and an entrepreneur and how to make that balance work. So for a long time, um, I was uh, waking up with Winston, getting our day started, getting him off to school, and then working during the school day, going to pick him up, um, spending time with him, cooking dinner, the whole mom thing, and then putting him to bed around eight o'clock, um, doing some more laundry, and then working again after that. So I'd call it like my second shift. So I was working from like probably around like nine, 10 o'clock until like one or two in the morning. And like, I just thought that's just how you do it. Like, I was like, that's great. That's just what I have to do. But I was noticing like I wasn't focusing on myself enough. Like I was doing my business and I was doing him, but I wasn't stopping to give myself what I needed to like fill my cup. So I was just exhausted. And I was like, this is what it takes. Like I have to run a business like this is just how it is. And so as I kept listening to, you know, more podcasts, other women in business, like I started just to try to take little tips from here and there to figure out what's best for my life and how can I get the energy that I need to be a good mom and to run the business. And I'm not even kidding. It's only been a few weeks, but it's been life changing for me. I kept hearing people say like, get up at like 530 in the morning. And I was like, I am not a morning person. I don't like to get up in the mornings that early. I've never been except when I was in high school, I was on swim team and we had to do that, but I hated it. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to do it. Well, then another one of my friends, um, Corey Clark, she, um, She's amazing. She has this company, Purposeful Planners, and I use her planner and I'm very close to her. She recommended tying that to something you enjoy. So it's hard to find the time. Like that's something that we just don't have. Like as moms, we're like, I don't have enough time. Like when am I going to get it all done? And so she was explaining like give yourself that time in the morning, uh, wake up early and pair it with something that you really love. And that will make you look forward to waking up. And then you get this time before your child ever wakes up that's quiet. So, and do what you want to do then. Or if you need to work then, whatever it is that you you enjoy. And so that's what I started doing. I, I go to bed earlier, which is great because I can wake up that early now. <laughs> but I wake up at 5.30 in the morning and I start, I don't even get out of bed yet. I just start with, I have a cup of water sitting there waiting for me. I start with like a daily devotion, like get into like my faith. And then I um, journal for a little bit. Then I'll keep my planner right there so I can open up my day and start planning my day before I even get out of the bed. <laughs> and so I get out of the bed, my son's still sleeping and I feel like, great, I can really start this day. And I had that moment for me. Um, and it's just like, and it also allowed me to get him to school a little bit earlier so I can get exercising in the morning, you know, like the things I needed to do and start my day earlier. And it's so simple getting up early and I can do it now that he's old enough. He's not getting up in the night. I don't have an infant, you know, um, but it's changed my business in the way that I can focus better 
in the day because I'm prepared for it. I've already looked at my planner before anybody woke up, you know? Um, and then at night after I put him to bed, I can give myself a little grace to like rest for a minute and then go to bed at a decent hour instead of like really having to push myself because, um, you know, to stay up as late as I can and get it all, all done. So that's great advice. It's been, it's, it's been good. Every time somebody would say that, I'm like, okay, that's not for me. I'm not waking up at five 30, you know? Um, but it's like literally changed my life. I look so forward to it. Like I'm going to have a cup of coffee outside while it's hot, like hot coffee before my son wakes up. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So my last question is what's next for Kristen in Oakland jewelry? Yeah. So, um, what's next for, for the line and for me is just to, um, kind of continue connecting with more and more women, you know, um, right now I'm focusing on designing for the fall. So we'll have some new fun stuff coming out in the fall. Um, should be some color, a little bit of color, a little bit of color (laughs) we'll add in. Um, so that's, so that's exciting. And then, um, just, just connecting, you know, I think that I've had some, opportunities offered to me to like broaden the scope of my line as far as like getting into other stores and things. And I'm, I'm holding off on that now and to like, just try to organically have this business grow at a pace that I feel I can stay connected to the customer base and like who wants to be, you know, involved in the brand or, or, or tell me their story. Like, I just really want to connect with people. And, um, I think eventually the line will be available more places. But for now, I'm like kind of enjoying keeping it where it is and like really connecting with the people who who want to wear the jewelry, you know, so that's where we are right now. But it's it's exciting place to be. (laughs) Christine, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. You know, wonderful being with you. Thank you. I so enjoyed it. I'm honored to be on this uh, podcast with some other great people that you're interviewing and sitting here with you. So thank you so much, Valerie. Thank you to Crystalline for joining me for this episode of Textures. And thank you for listening. If you want to find out more about Crystalline and her work, visit her website at crystallineoakwonjewelry.com and her Instagram at crystallinejewelry. I will include all links in the podcast page at valerielegras.com slash podcasts. If you like this episode, follow us on your favorite platform, and take the time to review us. Do not hesitate to share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. À bientôt.